Hello, friend. I am feeling a sparkly blue right now. How are you feeling? Today is important and I'm excited. I don't actually have this accent. I'm just, <laughs> just being silly. So, based on the title, you know what's going on. But uh, I'll just review how we're gonna go about things. So first, I'm gonna talk about why I wanted to get an official diagnosis how I managed to get assessed, because it's not a cakewalk as an adult, uh, what the process kind of looked like, and of course what the results were. And also how it's all emotionally impacted me, because that part was a little surprising. If you're here because you're in a rabbit hole of autism diagnosis stories, welcome. I'm Carrie, my pronouns are she, her, and if you want a neurospicy friend, follow this podcast. I wanted to be assessed by a professional for autism and ADHD for several reasons. First, because I was not completely sure of what diagnostic labels my experiences fit under. I was confident I have the inattentive subtype of ADHD and like 80 to 90% sure I'm on the autistic spectrum, but obviously that's not 100% sure. By George, I detest uncertainty. <laughs> Uh, second, while I'm not currently in school, if slash when I return, an official diagnosis would be required in order to make accommodations for me. I was homeschooled, actually, for the majority of my upbringing, at my request, and I still struggled a lot, socially and academically, so while I don't have plans right now to receive additional education, I wanted to allow for that possibility by getting my neurodivergence on record because there's no way I could get a degree from an institution of higher learning without accommodations. This uh, also possibly includes medication for my ADHD, which would definitely require an official diagnosis. And third reason, let's be real, is that I want to be seen as valid. I want my experiences to be seen as valid. So, you know, while I can't make anyone see me as anything, as I am constantly reminding myself, in this case, a professional diagnosis will realistically help most people view my needs and odd ways of being with more compassion. People are kinder when they think you have a reason for being the way you are, and silly human brains like to think that giving something a name makes its existence valid. Including my own brain, to be honest. Which brings me to my last reason. I want labels for my neurodivergence to help me give myself permission to be more authentic. I have been trying to act neurotypical for almost as long as I can remember. People quickly tell you when you're acting wrong as a kid, even if they can't put a finger on how. So I watched people who everybody seemed to like and I tried to copy them. When I got my hands on YouTube, I researched the rules for how to be charismatic and make friends. Piece by piece, I tacked together a guidebook for how to socially function, how to time my sentences, what cadence of voice to use, which expressions are expected, how to make said expressions, what questions to ask in small talk, which type of laughter is appropriate, how to make my body language appear friendly and interested in what you have to say. After decades of research and practice, I can do these things pretty well, often, if... I have the spoons, uh, which is uh, a reference. I, if you don't know the spoon, uh, never mind. <laughs> okay, so I can do these things, right? Uh, do them so well, in fact, that uh, my family was shocked at my autism diagnosis. But just because I can mask 
doesn't mean I want to or that it's good for me. Performing so much of my existence every day is exhausting. The horrific mental health I've had throughout my life has partially been due to trying to be someone I'm not. Someone who intuitively understands everything people implicitly communicate. Someone whose face and voice change with her emotions. Someone who isn't majorly affected by loud sounds or bright light or scratchy surfaces. And it's, it's also ingrained, too. Like, even now, after months of consciously attempting to unmask, I'm still discovering different situations in which I automatically shove down my instincts, desires, needs, and then pretend like the social norm felt natural to do all along. Because that's what every single person and piece of media in my formative years of life taught me to do. But now, I know about an entire community of people like me who have language for this constant social performance and say it's okay to not do it all the time. I've learned that autistic instincts are human too and that we're not hurting anyone by existing how we naturally want to. While we are hurting ourselves, by always masking as neurotypical. In conclusion, not everyone needs labels to empower them to be their most authentic self. I get that. One by one, I've actually let go of highly specific labels in every other area of my life. So I understand that maybe someday I won't feel the need to excuse, validate my weirdness by giving it a name. But for now, it helps. Going through the assessment process helped me understand myself better, and having diagnostic labels for my experiences helps me be more authentic and healthy. So, how does an adult go about getting assessed for autism spectrum disorder and attention and deficit hyperactivity disorder? Short answer, a lot of research and straight up luck. I basically googled variations of autism assessment for adults, and combed through the results. One of those was psychologytoday.com, where I searched for psychiatrists in my area who would take my insurance, had availability, and mentioned autism in their profile. I'm mentioning that method because while it didn't turn out much for me, maybe you would get better results. I also looked at every clinic specializing in autism on the proverbial block, and guess what? They either don't take my insurance, which would mean spending at least a couple thousand on the assessment alone, or they don't treat adults, which in some cases took digging to find out. So if you don't see an age range on the clinic website, make sure to email and ask if they accept patients of your age. But after many hours of research and several false starts, I found a golden ticket. An autism clinic who takes my insurance and accepts patients ranging from infancy to my precise age. Yeah, it's a gosh-dang miracle. <laughs> so, this company, it's called Cortica. C-O-R-T-I-C-A. According to their website, quote, Cortica is a leading provider of advanced neurological therapies for children with autism and other developmental differences, unquote. 
Most of their locations are currently in California, with a few others across the United States. I reached out and scheduled a screening appointment, which was almost a month out. This screening, uh, I think that's just what I call it, not what they called it. Um, it was where a nurse practitioner assessed whether I was even qualified to be assessed by a doctor. Again, my words, not theirs. They would probably call it like a welcome visit where they gain a basic understanding of your struggles and strengths and how they can help you. Before the visit, they asked me to fill out pages and pages of questions, mostly about my physical and neurological development as a child. Everything from when I first rolled over to my head circumference at birth to how I enjoy spending my time now. But it was all aimed towards the parent of the autistic child. So that was awkward to navigate at times. Anyway, my first Cortica appointment was on Zoom. I was really nervous, as you can imagine. I didn't know the background of who I was meeting with, if they'd ever treated someone my age, if they understood how differently autism can present in girls versus boys. So thank the gods I met with a sweet, motherly, educated woman. She smoothly walked me through dozens of questions, clearly related to a whole list of neurodivergent conditions. Well, I say clearly because psychology is one of my special interests. Maybe it wouldn't be so clear to someone else. Uh, anyway, once she got enough information, the nurse practitioner said I qualified to be assessed and gave me a few options for how to do that. I wish I'd been recording the call because I don't remember what all the options were. I can tell you what I chose, though, because that's what happened. My next appointment was in person at a Cortica clinic. The atmosphere was like a cross between a therapist's office and a daycare. <laughs> I could hear little kids in other rooms. First, a nurse practitioner briefly took some physical measurements like height, weight, and blood pressure. And then I went into a private room to meet with the doctor. And guess what? All the staff were, again, women. And younger women too, like 20s to 40s. Not that I'm averse to men at all, but my brain found it comforting to be treated by female professionals hoping that that gave me a better chance to be properly diagnosed despite not looking like the male stereotype of autism. The doctor was rather soft-spoken, wearing business casual, and completely nice. She reviewed the information I gave in my paperwork and during my first appointment, and then moved on to asking me more questions. We talked about so many things. But I remember we really got into the nitty-gritty of how I experience social interactions, which was fascinating. Um, and she also tested my reflexes, coordination, and short-term memory. Then we talked about some possible treatments for the particular areas I struggle with. And she gave me a questionnaire for depression and another one for anxiety. She said she would review all the information and we set up a follow-up appointment for the next week. I think the visit took about an hour and a half in total. My follow-up with the doctor was over Zoom. And not that I support Autism Speaks, but it really felt like she took my scattered puzzle pieces and arranged them perfectly before my eyes during that Zoom call. It was amazing. So what the doctor did is she shared the DSM-5 criteria for autism on her screen, and we went through each section. And she reflected back to me what I had shared 
and how my experiences fit the criteria. You know, you don't have to relate to every piece of criteria to be diagnosed. So I kept expecting the next section to be one that didn't fit me. But that didn't happen. (laughs) This fabulous doctor took the time to make it 100% clear to me why I fit under the diagnostic label of autism spectrum disorder. And for that, I am so grateful because clarity is a privilege and a blessing. Finally, we discussed ADHD. A test for children was included in the standard paperwork I filled out earlier, but since it didn't accurately reflect my life as an adult, uh, the doctor sent me a different test for adults, and that clearly showed me as having ADHD. It's actually easy to score yourself um, on the one that she gave me, so I'm going to include it in the show notes. So, in summary, I was diagnosed with, one, autism spectrum disorder, level one, Two, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, predominantly inattentive type. Three, sensory processing disorder. Four, anxiety disorder. Five, depressive disorder. The last two I already knew and have been diagnosed with for years. Though, frankly, I was surprised to still qualify as depressed. <laughs> but, but then I, I, I looked uh, back at the questionnaire and, and really saw my answers and it made sense. I'm just so much happier and healthier than I used to be that I forgot that depression-free people don't want to self-harm every day. It can be weird to remember that your normal isn't everyone's normal. So yeah, I learned that not having severe depression anymore doesn't mean you don't have depression. The doctor also noted in her official summary of our consultation that I have particular difficulties in using pragmatics in communication. I didn't know what that word meant, um, so I wanted to share it with you, in case you don't know either. According to Sarah Gorman, a speech and language therapist, quote, pragmatic language refers to the social language skills that we use in our daily interactions with others. This includes what we say, how we say it, our nonverbal communication, eye contact, facial expressions, body language, etc., and how appropriate our interactions are in a given situation, unquote. So basically, pragmatics is a word to sum up everything I was talking about earlier with the nuances of socializing. I think it's a great vocabulary word to have in our toolbox. The doctor and I did create a care plan for me going forward, but that's not something I feel comfortable sharing at the moment. Instead, I'm going to talk about how my diagnoses have hit me emotionally. One, two, three, let's go. I expected, I expected, I expected to be ecstatic and honestly triumphant that I was right if I were to be diagnosed with autism and ADHD. A part of me 100% does feel those things, and and I'm feeling more as time goes on, but the main sensation uh, in the last week or so since it happened has been shock mixed with grief. Despite so much time preparing for this outcome, I'm finding it a rather massive thing to process, but it's not actually 
the fact that I have autism spectrum disorder that's hard to process. It's it's the fact that I have so thoroughly hid my daily struggles that my family was shocked by my diagnoses. They, they are the people who have known me the longest and spent the most time with me. What does it say about me that I've hid so much from them without even really thinking about it? All a kid wants is to be normal and accepted by their tribe. Sweeping my struggles under the rug was what I felt I needed to do in order to get that. And in ways so habitual, I didn't even begin to recognize them until now. I'm still doing that, despite the years I've put in to questing for authenticity. I, I have deeper shadow work to do than I conceived of. It's, it's humbling, for sure. And, and scary, honestly, because what do I do now? Like, how do I respond to the people I care about who are suspicious of the validity of my diagnosis? Is it my job to try to help them understand how the hell I'm autistic, even though I seem so normal and don't act anything like the other autistic people they know? I'm looking forward to therapy next week, basically. All that aside, I am massively grateful to have clarity. While my ego hoped to be correct in my suspicions, I, I really just wanted any definitive answer on my diagnoses going into my assessment. And that's what I got. I really appreciate how the doctor so clearly organized all the information I gave her and, and how she named me. Labels are names. And I think every culture agrees that names have powerful magic. Being named made me feel understood and sane human. Like many other autistic people, I've spent my life feeling like an alien trying to pass as human. And that's an awful feeling to feel wrong, to feel like no matter how much you try, you're never truly normal and never enough. But now I have language and information. I'm not stupid. I'm not weak. I just have a different sort of brain than the type my society expects. And that does not make me bad. I want to end by stating that I understand diagnostic labels are malleable. Only 11 years ago, before the last DSM came out, I would have been diagnosed with Asperger's, not autism. So maybe my labels will change as psychology develops. And that's okay. I'm doing my best to to joyfully accept my labels because they help me communicate myself. Rather than limiting myself by staking too much of my sense of self on my labels. It can be a hard line to walk, and maybe I won't be perfect at it, but I'm trying, and that's what counts. I am ineffably joyfully grateful I was diagnosed because I appreciate how the process gave me a better understanding of how my experiences connect to one another and how to describe them to others. That's all for now, folks. Thank you for listening and rating the podcast. As ever, I am your Neurospicy Pod Pal.